Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. All right, welcome into the Hoist the Colors podcast. I am joined, as always, by Jonathan Wagner. I am Stephen Igo. It's another sweep for East Carolina, 4-0. Everybody wants to call it a mop. No, we're not calling it a mop. We're calling it a sweep. They can put up a mop, but we're not going to call it a sweep. Or not, we're not going to call it a mop. Look, I'm, I'm behind the mop idea, but I'm not going to refer to a four-game sweep as a mop. Do you agree, Jonathan? I wholeheartedly agree. I think a sweep is a sweep. You can put up a mop, but it's still a sweep to me. Cool idea, but I'll refer to it as a sweep. Yeah, I think we are definitely going uh, with that route. Moving forward, and uh, another fun weekend of baseball inside Clark Reclair Stadium, Jonathan. A lot to like coming out of this series. It really looked like, and we'll dive into each specific game here in a minute, it looked like after the first game of the series, it would be another ho-hum no contest sweep by ECU, but man, this really turned out to be a, a fantastic series, especially the last three games. You know, there was some not so great baseball played at times, but a lot of really good baseball played, and ECU really had to scratch and claw to get this four game sweep. I think they earned it more so than just Memphis coming in here and, and laying down. Yeah, for sure. I think it's very similar, honestly, to the Cincinnati series. I think there was really one game in each weekend series that ECU really blew them out. And then the rest of them were either low-scoring, good pitching affairs, or they were some of the higher-scoring back-and-forth affairs where it might be the last team that bat wins. So it's nice to see them winning in a lot of different ways early on in conference play. Because once you get later in the year and you get into conference tournaments, it's going to be nice to have that experience under your belt. So many streaks to recap for East Carolina baseball right now. It's kind of hard to keep track of them, but the Pirates have won nine in a row overall. They are now 26-5. and five. They have won 18 in a row at Clark Clare Stadium. Their last and only home loss was to Old Dominion on March 3rd, a 6-5 to five setback, and they have since won 18 in a row at home. They are 22-1 and one at home overall. They have won their first eight conference games, so they're 8-0 in the league. And just a, a phenomenal start. They're protecting their home turf, which is what you want to do. And we'll get more into this later, but the Pirates are about to hit the road two out of these next three weekends, and we'll kind of find out more about ECU on the on the road then. They're only 4-4 four and four away from home right now. But a uh, great start at home. They win their first eight conference games at home. And let's dive into each of these games. Jonathan, we'll start first with Friday. Of course, this was the doubleheader day. And the Pirates really started the, the series with a bang. They won 12-2 in the second consecutive series. The Pirates have used the 10-run rule on an opponent. It was a you know fairly competitive game early, and then the Pirates broke it open with five runs in the bottom of the fifth, they end up winning 12-2 to two in eight innings with uh, the walk-off single in quotation marks by Ben Newton. But 
this was a a familiar formula we've seen. Jonathan, really good offense, and Gavin Williams once again pitching extremely well in the Friday night role. Yeah, and I think the interesting thing is, in my eyes, I didn't think Gavin really had his best stuff on Friday, but he still got through five innings, gave up four hits, two of which were the solo home runs, and that was the – well, he didn't give up a second home run, actually, but he gave up one run. It was a solo shot in a second, and that was really it. Walked one guy, struck out nine, and Gavin really looked good again. Like I said, I didn't think he had his best stuff, but he still put out a really good outing which is encouraging to see. It wasn't one of his most dominant outings like he had last weekend where he struck out 13 and pretty much made Cincinnati look helpless. You know, Memphis put together some good at-bats, but Gavin looked good. He overpowered him, and he continued to show that he's a legit Friday night guy, and that's what we needed. Yeah, you know, you say he doesn't have his best stuff, and he still finished with nine strikeouts and one walk and five innings. So, like, I mean, if that's not your best stuff, that's a pretty damn good outing. And, uh, I mean that's that when you're throwing 94 to 96 at the college level consistently touching 97 and his fastball has some run to it. I mean I just you know knock on wood that he stays healthy man because he is uh he is kind of a missing piece. We talked about it going into the season Jonathan like a lot of this the upside of this team a lot of it rode on getting Gavin Williams healthy and him realizing his potential as a starting pitcher. We have not seen him do that throughout his entire career, you know, really through no fault of his own, just a lot of bad luck. But the emergence of him as your number one guy, I mean, you're going to have a chance to win now every single game, not only in conference play, but when you get into a regional and hopefully a super regional, you're going to have a first or second round pick out there starting a game, which is what a lot of teams at that stage have, and and his development has been crucial to this this uh, team's success. Yeah, and I think it's important with the rest of the starting pitchers in ECU's weekend rotation right now. Kind of, I don't want to say hit or hit or miss, but hit or miss. Carson Wisdom started the season off as good as anybody around the country, and he's kind of he, I don't want to say fallen off, but he hasn't looked as good lately. He's gotten hit kind of hard. Cooch Manor hasn't looked like himself and Tyler Smith until this weekend, the last two weekends, he hasn't looked like the Tyler Smith we know. So it's nice to have that one guy that you know you can rely on every weekend to go out and give you at least five, six innings, and you're likely going to be in a great position to have a lead and win a game when he's out there. Let's talk about Carson Wisenhunt and the game on Friday evening. Uh, the Pirates, much closer game in the second game of Friday's doubleheader than the first. Um, Carson Wisenhunt, again, you know, really was – I thought he he looked extremely good early. And I can't remember when exactly the the lightning delay hit. It was only a 35-minute delay, so the pitcher stayed in. But I thought that really affected his game. We'll get more to that in a minute. Uh, the Pirates ended up taking a 4 nothing lead in the second. Oh, Bryson World's three-run homer, his second consecutive game with a home run. Uh, really started to, to swing the bat well this weekend. Memphis kind of comes back in the middle innings, but the Pirates get an insurance run from Ryder Drows late on a homer off the glove of the Memphis center fielder with the assist. Uh, they end up winning 5-3 to three as Mayhew shuts it down along with some great bullpen work. But uh, to focus more on, on Wisenhunt first, I thought, you know, the biggest thing I've noticed with Wisenhunt is early on, his stuff is so good that teams just didn't have a chance. But now that he's been scouted, 
teams kind of have a plan against him, and I think he's kind of learning how to to work through that. And that's a that's a part of the maturation process for a young pitcher. I think we'll see a, a bounce back start from him at some point where he is the dominant Carson Wisdom but teams now know what he's trying to do, and that makes it tougher on uh, Wisnot. Yeah, for sure. And I think the the lightning delay came in the bottom of the second inning, I believe. So when Wisdom came out in the third, gave up his first run. But we talked about it, me and you, on these podcasts pretty much all season long. You know, eventually Wisdom is going to hit that point to where he's not pitching as lights out. And I think we're at that point now. And that's not to say he's really pitching bad because he's not. He's just – He's not as dominant as he was in the beginning of the year, and I think that's what we expected. But like you said, I agree with you. I completely expect him to just come back in the next week or two and just have that dominant performance again and kind of remind us of how dominant he can be when he's on. And if he does, that would just be icing on the cake to have two Friday night caliber guys you can go out there and roll with any given day and, again, being a very good chance to win. Yeah, stuff-wise, I mean, he's still that caliber of pitcher. It's just a matter of putting it all together. And, again, seven strikeouts in four and two-thirds, so the strikeout numbers are still good. You know, the pitch count got a little high after the, the rain delay. You know, his changeup was once again working good. I mean, if you just look at the pure number of swings and misses that him and Gavin get on not only the strikeout numbers, but just, you know, 1-0, 1-1 in the count, their stuff is swing and miss caliber, which is what you want with your top-line starters, theoretically. So, Wisenhunt ended up taking a no decision. This was a, a huge bullpen game for the Pirates as Matt Bridges, Cam Colmore, and C.J. Mayhew combined to go four and a third, three hits, no runs, no walks, and seven strikeouts. And we would see all these pitchers again um, later on in the weekend. But this, you know, to me, this is peak ECU bullpen right here. Fresh Matt Bridges, fresh Cam Colmore, fresh C.J. Mayhew. And you saw how dominant they were, and they were really the key to the victory. Yeah, 100%. I think, like you said, Memphis started to make that comeback in the middle innings. And once you got into that fifth inning and you went to the bullpen and Bridges, Bridges came in, I believe he came in with a jam, run on first, advanced to second on a wild pitch, I believe, and ended up being third. And Bridges came in and got a big strikeout to get out of it. And he ended up going one more inning. He gave up one hit total really dominant performance, end up getting a win. And then Cam Colmore does what we've gotten so used to Cam Colmore doing, especially over the past few weeks, just coming in and completely shutting things down. Nothing got going on him. Don't think he allowed more than, yeah, he had two hits and he, he looked dominant and he would look later look dominant again later on in the weekend. But, it's nice to have those three bullpen guys that you know you can go to, shut things down. But as we'll talk about later, I think eventually you do have to find someone else that can you can trust in a tight situation because eventually the arms are going to fall off of these kids if they keep pitching them so much. Yeah, C.J. Mayhew, when you talk about dominant, he came in. I think Bridges or Colmore, I believe they gave up maybe the leadoff runner in the top of the ninth. And then Mayhew came in, punch out, punch out, punch out. I mean, that was that was electric stuff. So he gets his sixth save uh, offensively. Connor Norby, three hits. Thomas Francisco, three hits. Bryson Worrell, only one for four. But again, a huge swing with the three-run homer from the left side, which he hasn't been having as much success 
with on that side uh, early this season. And then Ryder Giles, home run, showing some pop that I didn't know he had, but helped out by uh, Memphis center fielder Zach Wilson. And that was a big insurance run as Memphis was, was coming back. So the Pirates win game two, five to three, and they guarantee at least a split if they fall, if they drop the last two games. I really hate these four-game series. All right, let's move on to Saturday. Jonathan, A this arguably was the best, most entertaining game of the series. ECU ends up pulling out an 8-7 to walk-off victory on an error in the bottom of the ninth, but there's so much to recap leading up to that point. Um, first, I guess we will start with the pitching. And, yeah, let's do that. Let's start with the pitching because we'll hit on kind of the offense, defense, everything in this game. Uh, Jake Kuchmaner gets the start for ECU, and we talk about guys really not looking themselves. Jake Kuchmaner at this point in the season just has not been, you know, the Jake Kuchmaner we know. Uh, now, the, the part of his game that has been the Jake Kuchmaner we know is the strikeout-to-walk ratio. I mean, he entered the game with insane strikeout numbers. I think it only walked three guys all year. On this day, though, he walked two, only struck out one, gave up a lot of hard contact, ended up allowing three runs and four and two-thirds on six hits. And there was a couple web gems behind him that saved some more hits. But um, Kuchmaner ends up taking a no decision. You know, his stuff, to me, looks okay. Uh, Cliff Goblin said after the game, you know, his fastball command, especially, you know, to his arm side, especially when he's pitching away from righties, just has not been there. Um, his changeup's been pretty good, but he also doesn't have a slider, and I think teams are either kind of sitting on the inside fastball or the changeup, and they're making him pay right now. So eventually I think Coochmaner will figure it out, but right now it is a little bit of a struggle for Cooch, Jonathan. Yeah, I think like you said, he doesn't really have that breaking ball type pitch that's working for him right now, and I think it's making it tough on a day like Saturday to really put guys away. Because if they're sitting on that fastball, they're sitting on that changeup, and especially when he doesn't really have, you know, a lot of velocity on that fastball, it sits mid-80s. You know, people are going to sit on it, and when they barrel it up, they're going to hit it really well, and that's what, that's what Memphis did. But like you said, Goochmander, we've seen it before. I mean, we see his potential when he's on. I mean, he threw a perfect game before. So if he can really put it all together, which I believe he will as the season goes on, then – He's going to be one of those guys that you can really trust to pitch any day in any situation, and he can go out and give you good outing. Yeah, and he's still, to his credit, is keeping ECU in these games. It's not like he's getting shelled to the point where he's giving up, you know, eight runs and three innings. He's always going that four to six inning mark and giving up a few runs here or there. But so often we've seen Cooch pitch deep into games, give up one or two runs, and, and really kind of dominate the game or control the game. But we've yet to see that from Cooch this year. Uh, the bullpen, we talked about the number of guys who were used on Friday with the doubleheader, of course. The Pirates come back with Bridges on Saturday. He didn't look as sharp. Uh, C.J. Mayhew also ended up blowing the save, gave up three runs in an inning of work, was hit pretty hard. And, uh, you know, props to Garrett Saylor and Carter Spivey. Saylor, of course, who also pitched on Friday, came back and threw really good on Saturday. But, uh, you know, I think at some point, Jonathan – we got to see more arms develop. You know, we know we, we've talked about this a lot. We know Mayhew, we know Bridges, we know Colmore. You know, Sailor's starting to develop into that guy as well. You know, maybe Carter Spivey. I thought maybe they could have left him in for another inning or so. 
we didn't see Josh Groves this weekend. We didn't see A.J. Wilson. You know, these four-game series, you're just going to have to have more than three or four relievers to go to, and I think they got to be – those guys have to be put in those situations at some point as well. Yeah, for sure. I agree. I was I was surprised that Carter Spivey didn't get a little more of a run in that game on Saturday. He only threw an inning, two strikeouts. Don't believe he allowed a base runner. But, I mean, poor Josh Gross. He warmed up all weekend. You thought he probably warmed up for six innings total. Um, he, he just never got in. And to A.J. Wilson, it's the lineup like Memphis where they have a lot of really solid hitting right-handers, especially in the middle of that order. So, I mean, every game Memphis had nine right-handed batters in their, in their batting lineup. So you kind of figured it might be tough to get someone like Wilson in there. But you, I think you you have to get someone like a Josh Gross, a Nick Logish. I'd like to see him get a more get a few more high-leverage situations. You have Ryder Giles out there as a kind of a stopper type of guy, but – I think down the stretch, it's tough to rely on your starting shortstop to close out games for you as well. So they have to really – I think they need to go deeper into their bullpen over the next couple of weeks, especially when they go on the road next weekend and put some guys into some pressure situations. Eventually, you have to find out what you have because, like I said earlier, you will not be able to ride with the big three out of the bullpen throughout the rest of the regular season, conference tournament, and once you get into regionals and super regionals or they they won't have their best stuff when you get to that point and their arms might fall off. <laughs> I know, I mean it was just so clear like you look at the Friday game where all three made an appearance and like that's what they look like when they don't have to pitch multiple times per weekend, you know. And and, and some relievers, we saw it with Comore, he bounced back pretty well, but I thought even on Sunday, especially early on, he was not nearly as sharp as he was on Friday. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it, and it's easy to say this as like reporters, but when you're Cliff Godwin and you're in a one run game and you don't know how Josh Groves is going to react to being put in that situation, or you don't know if Nick Logish is going to come in and walk the leadoff guy, like it, it's easier said than done. I do think at some point they do have to do it. Um, just to see how those guys react, but you know, that's coach Godwin's call. Uh, I'm glad you brought up the, the right handed situation. Yeah. Cause Memphis, I don't even know if they had a lefty bat, all weekend, and that's A.J. Wilson's specialty. I think they had one pinch hitter. It was it was actually on Saturday. Um, Terman came in in the sixth, I believe. He was a lefty, and he ended up striking out. But that's the only lefty I remember coming in all weekend. That's wild, especially this day and age in college baseball. So, uh, But all things considered, they get it done. Garrett Saylor with some huge pitching. Uh, to earn the win, he really bounced back from giving up a couple of uh, soft singles to to put ECU in a position to walk it off. Uh, they do walk it off on an error uh, on the shortstop trying to turn a double play. But want to talk all about the offense in this game, Jonathan? Twelve hits again for ECU. Bryson Worrell, two for two at the dish. He had a double, and then he walked three times, and at least a couple of those were on full counts where he laid off some soft stuff to uh, to draw those walks and uh we've talked about it all year Bryson Worrell was eventually going to figure it out he's a streaky hitter almost called the three home run weekend uh came up one short of that but I'll take the big weekend for Bryson because uh the Pirates need his bat to get going yeah I think especially in a weekend like this when ECU finally got Lane Hoover back 
you know, key outfielder, key player in all facets of the game. Um, just having Hoover back alone lengthens your lineup so much. So if you have Bryson Warrow, who's been hitting six, seven, eight in the order, really swinging the bat like he is this weekend, then that lengthens it even further. It gives you a little more wiggle room to play a little more matchup based lineup, maybe if you want to, but having someone at, down at the bottom of the order, whether it's a Bryson Worrell, whether it's a Lane Hoover, whether it's a Zach Agnos, anybody, it's really nice to have options. I'll say more options now than they did with Hoover back and now Bryson really swinging it like we knew he could. So the Pirates win the game 8-7. to seven. It, lengthen, it does lengthen the lineup so much with uh, Hoover back. We'll talk more about Hoover's return at the uh, conclusion of the series recap, uh, but a lot of good at-bats on Saturday. Ben Newton checks in with two hits and uh, draws. Um, you know, so it had a lot of good at-bats overall. Uh, J- Jake Agnos again, two more walks. What a surprise. Uh, Seth Cadell drew a couple of walks. So just a really good offensive day for ECU against Memphis. All right, game four, you covered this one, Jonathan. I was dealing with uh, the Joe Dooley situation, which we continue to, to wait on here as we sit here early Monday afternoon. And also covering football practice. Um, This was a true pitcher's duel. The box score, the line score doesn't really say it if you just look at the runs, hits, and errors. But this was a 1-1 game going into the bottom of the eighth. Chris Durham for Memphis, who's been in college for seven years, uh, really kept DCU off balance with his changeup and his uh, fastball command. He goes seven innings before the Pirates finally get to him in the eighth. Tyler Smith was really good. For East Carolina, Cam Colmore was fantastic out of the bullpen, as was Ryder Giles. But uh, this was a game the Pirates, again, had to grind out in the latter innings to uh, to end up with the four-game sweep. Yeah, um, before I get into this game, I do want to just say I did just hear you mistake Zach Agnos for a Jake Agnos. Oh, my gosh. It's been a while, but I wanted, I wanted to call you out for it on the air. So there nah. you go. Now I'm ashamed was- of myself. It was bound to happen. I'm, <laughs> I'm surprised it hasn't happened sooner. Jake but. Agnos. I'm sorry, Jake. I'm sorry to mix you up with your brother. Zach, you're welcome. <laughs> but no, Zach, but, Zach is the man at drawing walks, though. That's right. Best in the conference. But, yeah, to get into Sunday, it was one of those games, like I talked about it earlier, you know, Tyler Smith has finally looked like the Tyler Smith we've been accustomed to in his – long ECU career and it was a pure pitcher's duel I'm one of those baseball fans that I love a low scoring pitcher's duel with good defense and a lot of tight situations on the mound and that's exactly what Sunday was you get Tyler Smith he goes five and two thirds he only gets three strikeouts allows one walk seven hits gives up one earned run on a solo home run in the top of the sixth inning and you know Tyler Smith got through that fifth inning and you think I, I thought in the up in the box, I said, oh, he's, he's probably done. And a lot, I think Colmore was warming up a lot by that point. So you think, yeah, that's probably the end of Smith's day. But came out for the six, got two quick outs, and he just missed. I think he left a pitch hanging. And Alec Trela, third baseman from Memphis, who had a good weekend, he made him pay for it. And another double would come out of there. And then Kim Colmore came out and shut it down for two and a third. But Chris Durham, the pitcher from Memphis, put in two pitches. He was lights out all day. And then kind of a similar situation. You know, he goes out for that extra inning where you think he might be done. 
and ECU started to get to him. Connor Norby and Thomas Francisco start off with two singles to lead off the inning, and then Memphis goes to Walker Brockhouse, their top arm out of the bullpen, and he comes in throwing his nasty breaking ball, and Seth Cadell puts down a really tough bunt to really set up a big eighth inning. And I thought I thought that bunt was the key to the inning. If Seth doesn't put down that bunt, I'm not sure if it's as big of an inning as it was. Sets up a Josh Moylan two-run single over the first baseman's head who's playing in. And then we ended up getting what I think was the coolest moment of the weekend. Matt Bridges entering as a pinch runner. And he enters at first base, moves up to second on Lane Hoover's walk. And then Bryson Wool hits a single into right field, I believe. And Matt Bridges beats a throw home with a nice slide, set up a big inning, a couple of wild pitches, scored Hoover and Worrell. And Riley Johnson capped off the inning with a solo home run up for himself for a six run inning on five hits. And it was really nice to see the offense break through like that once they got to the bullpen even if they were going against the what I perceived to be the top arm out of that pen. Yeah, he had good stuff. And, again, he was throwing back-to-back days. I thought his stuff was a little sharper on Saturday. Didn't throw a ton, but just, you know, it takes a lot to warm up and get into a game sometimes. So, ECU executed really well. You're right, that Seth Cadell bunt against uh, against his hammer curveball was not easy to do, but he got it down, and that was a huge – that draw the infield in. And then, of course, Josh Moylan's chopper ends up getting through the infield as a result of the bunt. So, yeah, just a really good team win on Sunday. Uh, it's so hard to finish off a four-game sweep because Memphis at that point is is gunning for it. They don't want to get swept. ECU, you can have a tendency to rest on your laws a little bit, but that didn't happen on Sunday. So the Pirates now 8-0 in conference play. Let's talk about, before we get into the pitcher, hitter, and rookie of the week, Jonathan, the return of Lane Hoover how awesome it was to see him on Friday get the standing ovation from the crowd in attendance. I think he, not sure if he had a hit on Saturday or Sunday. He did draw two walks on Sunday. But uh, just his return, what do you think he means to this lineup? I think he means a lot. I think over the past couple of weeks we've seen we've seen a few different lineups and we've seen a few outfield diff, different outfield combinations and like I mentioned earlier, just having Lane Hoover back in your batting order alone just deepens it so much. He can hit second and probably be a good contact guy. He's probably the best bunner on the team, which I think ECU really missed in his absence. We, we, we've we talked a little bit over the past couple of weeks about just the struggles bunting and how the offense maybe hasn't been clicking as much. But having Lane Hoover back, whether he's hitting second, whether he hits – I don't think he's going to hit fifth moving forward, but he did on – I believe Sunday and he's a guy who can, he can be kind of a second leadoff hitter down there at the bottom of the order. No matter where he's going, you know, he can, he's usually going to put the ball in play and when he gets on base, he's one of the fastest guys on the team. So once he gets his legs back under him, he's going to be a base dealing threat again. And coach Godwin talked a lot last weekend about just his energy, just how much he means to the team and you hate to see a guy go out like that, but when he comes back like he did on Friday, I was in the standing. I don't remember hearing the announcement of now batting for the Pirates, number four, Lane Hoover. I remember the standing ovation. That was it. It was awesome, and it was awesome to see him starting off with a hit too. Yeah, it was just great to have Lane Hoover back in the lineup uh, for East Carolina, and 
he extends the lineup. He gives you more options, and you know they're going to have to figure out a way to get Alec Makarevich in there um, along. You know when Cadell's maybe not uh, catching and DHing, but it, you know it's a good problem to have when you have too many position players for for the lineup. It's, it's the opposite of what we were debating a couple weeks ago about who should play. And instead, we're now in a situation where you're you're in a much better spot than that. So. That's a positive for East Carolina. All right, let's give away our hitter of the week, our pitcher of the week, and our newcomer slash rookie of the week, whatever the hell it's called. Um, the hitter of the week, Jonathan, you've got the numbers, but I think this one by default goes to Bryson Worrell for his monster weekend at the dish. He hit homers. He got on base. He hit doubles. This was the Bryson Worrell we, uh, we know all too well. Yeah, he went 6-for-12, hit 500 on the weekend. He had those two big homers on Friday, and he had an RBI on every day. He had three in each of the two Friday games. He had two on Saturday, and he had one on Sunday for nine total on the weekend. He drew, I believe, three walks, maybe one more total, so he got on base. And when he got on base, he was a threat on the base pass as well. So, like we said earlier, it was nice to see him really putting it all together like we know he can. And like I said, it just really lengthens that lineup a lot when he's hitting like he can because he's a guy who can hit anywhere in the lineup. So it's nice to see him swinging the bat as hot as he is right now. And I thought he hit the ball well last weekend too, even though he ended up not playing a lot with his back issue. Yeah, he's starting to put the ball and play more. I mean, he, he's always going to have some strikeouts, but you know his average is up to 279 right now. He's slugging 433. He's 8 of 12 on stolen bases playing a good center field. So he's really, with just a couple of hot weeks, really turned it around at the dish in terms of his overall numbers. Like you said, he's been having quality at-bats for a while now. But uh, it's good to see the numbers starting to match that. Uh, Pitcher of the week, you know, not too many starters went deep into games this weekend, but uh, lots of good bullpen work. And we are giving our Pitcher of the week to Cam Colmore for pretty heroic effort out of the pen on Friday and Sunday. Yeah, on Friday he went two innings, and on Sunday he went two and a third, and that's – I don't think you can really state enough how tough that is to do. I think he threw 37 pitches on Friday, 36 on Sunday. So they weren't just quick outings either. I mean, he threw a decent number of pitches, and six strikeouts, three hits, zero walks allowed, zero runs allowed, and he picked up the win, I believe, on Sunday. So, like I said, just purely – Dominant stuff from Colmore, even on Sunday when, like you said, he didn't have maybe as sharp as stuff as he did on Friday. But it's nice to have him as an option, whether he's going to pitch an inning in a save situation or if he's going to be your first man out of the bullpen and you need him to go two or three. You know he can do it no matter what situation you need him. And it's really nice to see. There were a couple other guys, Garrett Saylor, honorable mention, Tyler Smith, honorable mention, and I think Gavin Williams too. Yeah, tons of good outings from the, the, the pitching staff all weekend. And then finally, our Rookie of the Week. You know, not too many standout guys in this category, but we are going with a familiar winner of this category. Josh Moylan, the standout freshman, just continues to put great at-bats together week after week, game after game. And uh, he's he's not easy to get out. Even on Sunday when he struck out a couple of times against the left, he came back against Brockhouse and got the go-ahead single. So a big week for Josh Moylan. Yeah, for sure. He went two for three in each of the Friday games with a walk, had an RBI in the first one. Over three, but an RBI on Saturday. And then, like you said, he started off over three on Sunday with three strikeouts. And he came in in probably the 
biggest spot of the game and he delivered. And for a freshman, I think it's that's impressive to see him not hang his head after an over three start to the day, which would be easy to do. But he bounced back. He and it's also important to mention, you know, he faced a lefty for the first three at bats on Sunday in Durham. And then the righty came in with Brockhouse and he made him pay. He put ECU on top and he started he set up what would be a big EU. Josh Moore then I continue to be impressed with his all around offensive game. And he's when he's not putting the ball in play, he's drawing walks too. So he's getting on base. And I think he's another one of those guys, you know, he's versatile. He can either DH or play first base. And just another option that has to be in the lineup for ECU. So the Pirates are 26-5 and five after a four-game sweep. Those are our awards of the week. I'm sure the American will once again try and copy us like they do every single week. Uh, but just know that we came up with ours first, and uh, we always do because we're the best. Um, Jonathan, it's been fun, man. We'll be back sometime next week to recap the four-game set at Houston. Really intrigued to see how this team plays on the road after being at home for so long so that'll be a big test for the pirates but um it's always fun to recap sweeps especially four game sweeps it seems like we're doing that a lot lately and uh we won't take it for granted after the elon series yeah i think the baseball is one of those games any any team can win on any given day uh i'm also very interested to see how ecu plays this upcoming weekend at houston that's a plane ride. I want to say that's going to be their first plane trip of the season. So I'll be interested to see just kind of how they react to that, especially in the, maybe the first couple games. But I'm excited. I think ECU's put themselves in a really good spot to start off conference play. You can't ask for a better start, 8-0. And hopefully next week we're talking about another winning series for ECU. Indeed, my friend. Well, Jonathan, it's been fun, man. We will talk to you next week. Until then, for Jonathan, I'm Stephen Igo. You've been listening to the Hoist the Colors podcast. afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? Bell. 
and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.